0: Welcome to Talk, everyone, brought to you by your Ontario Honda dealers. Again, show Ali and Josh Goldberg with you as the Blue Jays lose a second straight game, this time a 7-2 loss to the Twins in the series opener over in Minnesota. And as Ben mentioned, you can text us 590-590, name and location, uh, so we can give you a shout-out on the air. And Josh, you know, I'm uh, not really sure where we should start with this one because there are so many places we can start, right? Steven Matz only able to go three innings, uh, seven hits, two earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. He threw 38 pitches in the third inning. He does escape a bases loaded jam of his own creation in the third, but even so, not the start you hope for, and not the start we talked about in the pregame show. After his recent starts, Thomas Hatch only able to go one and two thirds, clearly aggravating uh, some sort of injury in the Brent Rooker at bat. Uh, that ended up as a four-pitch walk and then was taken out of the game with what the Blue, uh, Blue Jays were calling – I believe right hamstring discomfort. And that was the same issue he left a game with earlier in September. And then of course, Lourdes Guriel jr. Who is, I, I dare say arguably the team's MVP, at least in the month of September gets his hand stepped on by Randall Gritchuk relaying the ball back into the, the infield. Uh looks like we, uh, Gritchick, cleat cutting Guriel's hand open. You can see the blood on the monitors. He had two stitches on his middle finger. The result was negative on the x ray which is always a good sign, but Boy, it was a, a litany of things that did not go the Blue Jays' way today, to say the least.
1: Yeah, quite a night. A domino effect of, of negative things happening. And I think it really boils down to the fact that when your starting pitcher only gives you three innings and nine outs, home or road, you're going to be in pretty tough to win a ball game. Sometimes you can if your offense comes through and gets the job done. The Jays only mustered two runs on 11 hits. They left, uh, I believe, 11 on base. Which is obviously, you know, not gonna get it done in any way, shape, or form. It was just not a crisp game by by any means, and like I would caution against really sounding the panic button. You know, there's still a game back, difficult loss. I think a lot of people looked at this series as one where taking three out of four would be really, really uh, ideal, and obviously you'd love you would have loved to sweep, but you know, taking three out of four would be satisfactory and now you got to win three straight to accomplish that. And you've got your three best pitchers on the mound and the Twins are not a tremendous team. But if you're not like I said this before last weekend series, if you don't pitch well against them, they have enough in the tank to do damage. And Steven Matz just you know he wasn't sharp. He was his curveball was good early and then he maybe over relied on it and his fastball and his changeup weren't as good and the curveball was more hittable as hitters got more of a sense of what it was doing and when it might be coming. And then, you know, if it wasn't diving out of the zone, it was hanging up and was getting hit relatively hard. So, like, you know, they've lost two games for the first time in about a month, which, again, illustrates how crazy it is, the run that they've gone on to get back into this point. But you did all that legwork to get here, and now it's all there in front of you. And, you know, with losses like this, it, it, it kind of takes the destiny out of your own hands you can still if you take care of business against the Yankees you can still do that but you you looked at seven of ten against teams below 500 and looked at that it was a really good opportunity to put pressure on the Yankees and obviously they didn't get off to a good start on that front tonight
0: yeah, if you look at the uh, the coming games in the remainder of this series, game two, three, and four, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, you got Barrios, Ray, and Manoa lined up for those three starts. So, like you said, they're three best pitchers in the starting rotation here to take care of business. You would imagine against the uh, the rest of the games in this Minnesota Twins Blue Jays series at Target Field. But yeah, I mean, again, tonight it just it was it felt it felt a little lackluster, right? Like the game was a little bit of a slog. It was the kind of were grinding at times. It felt like and hey, they they certainly weren't without their chances, right? Like the George Springer bases loaded hit after the uh, pitching change for uh, Garza Jr. I want to say it was and and it, it felt like maybe this might be a, a time where Springer could turn it around and then he kind of lined it softly right back to Garza who caught the ball and ended the inning himself and I don't know, George Springer, you and I talked about this in the pregame show, Josh, and I'm not saying that after tonight is just, you know, I mean, it's just more, the struggles seem to continue. It's not like anything new, really, over the last week or 10 days or so from George Springer, but boy he is he is really struggling like certainly there was a little bit of bad luck for the jays tonight but ultimately speaking it it didn't really feel like they got up for this one and when it comes to springer specifically he he just continues to struggle and i just i'm not really sure if there really is an easy answer to that right i i wonder if it really is just you're gonna have to let him let him hit it out because i just i don't see them as much as i would like to see them move him down in the order this late in the season i just i don't think that's gonna happen
1: I, i think about that and like What are you hoping that that accomplishes? That what it's like a kick in the ass that he'll all of a sudden get it going? Like, I I don't really know how you can quantify something like that. If you would just say, oh, well, he can't lead off because he can't be coming up in big spots and he can't be getting more at bats because he's struggling right now. Okay, like that is the argument. But being the, the saying that, oh, like lower down in the lineup will get him going. You have no idea. There's no reason to believe that necessarily his place in the lineup will or won't influence, you know, how he's going to hit. I, I think he's still more likely to break out of it in the leadoff spot. And like, if he's in the lineup, he's leading off for me, and I'm going to continue to bang the drum for that. I like you move Marcus Simeon up to leadoff. You move Beau Bichette up to leadoff. I guess you could bat Springer fifth. You could clean Oscar up all of that could be stuff that you do as a whole. The offense hasn't been tremendous this week. Like since the five run first inning against the twins on Sunday, some of that is the Rays and their ability to pitch. And they pitch really effectively against the Jays, but they haven't been hitting for the last couple of games. And the pitching hasn't given them a chance in the later stages to put together a couple of hits and take the lead or come back from a one-run deficit or something like that because they're in a multi-run hole and it's just too big to to dig out of. And I don't know if it's just as simple as, well, if you move George Springer down the lineup that everything will be simpatico and fall back into place. I don't think there are any easy answers. Like If it were up to me, maybe you give him an off day and, yeah. and a reset. But if Lourdes isn't in the lineup, you suddenly kind of need George Springer's presence just in your lineup and potentially also playing the outfield because you know then you're looking at dickerson and, and gritchick being in there and then like where's kirk playing is he catching like who's your dh it just jumbles things up if if uh george springer's not in the lineup so i think Based on what happens with Guriel, I think that might influence what they do or don't do with Springer's place in the lineup tomorrow, and certainly where he might play, whether it's DH or center field.
0: Yeah, I think the the center field conversation for George Springer, especially with Lourdes Guriel Jr. on the, uh, you would hope a quick mend, certainly, right? But uh, with with Lourdes injured right now with the uh, two stitches in his middle finger and. Thankfully, again, X-rays negative for Lourdes Guriel Jr. But at the same time, we'll have to see how they how they think he responds. I mean, I suppose there's a chance he plays tomorrow, but I mean, who who really knows when it comes to that? Hopefully, we hear from uh, uh, from uh, interim manager, let's say John Schneider, later tonight. But uh, if we don't, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be tough to see what the the tough to feel, I suppose, what the uh, outfield alignment might be because, like you said, without Lourdes out there. And without George Springer out there, it is uh, not great, right? So uh, you're listening to Jay's Talk, presented by your Ontario Honda dealers. Showing Josh with you for another half an hour, just slightly under half an hour or so until the top of the hour. And uh, Josh, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, certainly Julian Merriweather. and Merryweather is an interesting case, right? Because for this game, you know, it, it was. I think there's a real question as to when he came into this game, why the answer was Merryweather and not virtually any other pitcher available in the, for the game at, at that point, right? I mean, I know you you tweeted about it. Uh, why not Nate Pearson at that point? And I think based on their body of work that we had seen since Merriweather had come back, I mean, Merriweather, not, not counting tonight, he had, had pitched in five games. He pitched against Baltimore twice. against the Twins once and against the Rays twice. And really the only outing where he was really shut down or shut down, I should say, putting the emphasis on the wrong part of that word uh, was in the uh, giant blowout. win, the 22 seven win against the Orioles and everything else, he kind of was a little dicey at times Like against the Rays. He only pitched a a third of an inning. And I don't know, Julian Merriweather immediately comes in and gives up a, a long bomb to Nick Gordon. And it just, you think to yourself, is that is that the right the right uh, button to push? Let's say for the bullpen at that point, and you know what? For once, you can't pin this one on Charlie Montoya. You can I know people yeah. like to do that, but you can't. You can't pin it on Montoya tonight.
1: Well, I saw somebody somebody tweeted at me. I guess like they were living in a, under a rock free game because I you know, was questioning why it was Merriweather. and somebody tweeted at me. Oh, well, typical Montoya being Montoya. And I was just like, <laughs> ooh, sorry to tell you, Montoya's not managing the the club tonight. So it was John Schneider that uh, that made that call. But I, I wouldn't have gone to Merryweather in that spot. You know, a lot of people would say, like, go to your leverage, guys. Go to Richards. Go to Simber. Fifth inning. I know one run game. I would have just gone to Nate Pearson in that spot. And... Like if we want to really highlight Merriweather, the fact that he was going to a changeup when Nick Gordon was unable to really hit his fastball. I understand, you know, you can't just say, oh, well, keep going fastball, keep going fastball. But situationally, that type of hitter, the likelihood of Nick Gordon getting on top of 97 or 98 in the zone on his hands was very low. He could catch up to a changeup, especially if you hang one and he's thinking fastball. And that's exactly what happened. Merriweather just hasn't missed enough bats to, to really be somebody that I trust to get a strikeout in a big spot, whereas Nate Pearson has. I know that there have been some rough outings, but there have been some really good dominant outings. Like, he's looked dominant at times, whereas Merriweather has not looked dominant since he's come back up. And that right there was an opportunity where you just needed an out, and I have more confidence right now in Nate Pearson's ability to do that job and get that out. Than I do with Ju- Julian Merriweather. and right now Merriweather's a a mop up guy. Like you're, I I can't green light using him in any situation right now where the ball game is in any sort of jeopardy or the game is in the balance or anything of that sort.
0: Oh, that's and that's a bummer. That's a real bummer to talk about because Julian Merryweather back in his, I guess it was four appearances back in April of this year, which seems like an eternity ago from in a baseball uh, baseball standpoint, but he was phenomenal, right? And I just, I again, I don't have any proof uh, for this uh, any, any in any way, shape, or form, but it, it really does feel like Julian Merriweather was one of the many guys. And again, he, it's not like he would be the only person in, in the entire sport of baseball for this to have affected, but it just really feels like he, in addition to having to work his way back from injury, Merriweather is also someone who has been hit hard by the crackdown on the sticky stuff, right? I mean, you look at all the, I know people are not fond of this, but if you look at all the various, uh, the different analytics that you don't always see on uh, on, on the on the broadcast or here on the broadcast about spin rate or you know about the velo and all that kind of stuff I guess velo is the more common one over spin rate but all of that stuff way down for someone like Meriwether who was throwing a hundred miles an hour back in April and the, the fastball is way down the command is a little more spotty and then you got the spin rate which is down by just an absolutely significant amount and again maybe maybe he is still working his way back from injury maybe but it just feels like you know with the it's such a precipitous decline i just i feel like it's uh it's that that you know the more often than not the culprit can be pointed to pretty easily
1: yeah he just hasn't looked good in 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 any regard like his fastball has been inconsistent sometimes it looks lively other times it looks kind of flat and his changeup in his slider just haven't been able to have the results as he did in that kind of honestly it seemed like a fever dream uh, those four innings early in the year and yeah. it could just be as simple as spin rate plus injury plus whatever else long layoff rust what whatever uh you want to call it but he's just not getting the job done right now and that was a relative leverage spot you know the fifth inning it's it's hard to go to one of your big guys, I wouldn't have been upset with it, but I would have given Nate Pearson a shot. I think Nate Pearson's earned the opportunity to pitch to the eight hitter with two on and two out in the fifth inning. And I thought that was a misstep tonight.
0: I see a couple of texts on the text line. We'll get to the rest of the text uh, after the break here, but I do see... A number of texts maybe like two or three about uh people questioning the idea that montalio did make the call uh to go to Meriwether. and I'll, I'll just say this i'm pretty sure josh yeah, and you, no. you can yeah you can correct me if i'm wrong on this but i'm pretty sure you cannot communicate with the team if you are in the clubhouse i think that's an mlb rule and i mean certainly no. you can question uh if the if, the, if various teams uh, circumvent that rule if, and, and if you want to but the rule is they cannot communicate with guys uh, if from the clubhouse to the dugout so that's why we're going on the uh, no Mont- Montoyo did not make that call there.
1: Yeah they don't have like some Morse code system that they're using <laughs> like you know uh, Schneider's got an earpiece in and and Montoyo's is like using some telegraph system in the back or they're not texting they're not on the phone during the game. I think it's probably one of those situations where you know John S- Schneider is Charlie's kind of go-to guy he's just, his just lieutenant in a lot of respects. He's in the foxhole making a lot of those decisions. So, the fact that he made that call, you could probably assume that Charlie would have gone the same route. Yeah. Like, I think that they're on the same page. It's a collaboration, it's an inclusive process. I don't think anything would have been all that much different if Charlie was, in fact, managing the team tonight. But, like, it, it didn't work out. It just did not work out. And I didn't think it was a justifiable decision like you could say if you're not using julian merriweather in that spot when are you using them and that's the answer i'm not using julian merriweather when the game is is on the line i'm just not going to do it
0: yeah i think that's fair i think that's that's where we have to fall on with julian merriweather and with the with with the season being where it is in crunch time i think it's going to be hard for fans to feel comfortable seeing julian merriweather come out in basically any situation that's not a mop-up role at this point like you had said earlier but uh you can keep sending us your text, 590-590-name-and-location. We'll give you a shout-out on the air. We'll get to the rest of those after the break. And uh, show and Josh here, we're here until for another 20 minutes or so. But JSOC continues after this on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: Little known fact, What's if you scream at the umpires through oh, your radio, they can totally hear you. Oh, you call that a strike? This is Toronto Blue Jays baseball on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to Jay's Talk, brought to you by your Ontario Honda Dealers. Joe Ali and Josh Goldberg here with you as the Blue Jays lose a second straight game, this time a 7-2 loss to the Twins in the series opener over in Minnesota. And you know, guy, we haven't talked too much about Josh. Uh Steven Matt, certainly, and and again, I guess. What, it, you know, the, the easy rebuttal to that would simply be, well, there's not a lot to talk about. He kind of, kind of stunk tonight a little bit, unfortunately, which is a, which is, un, which is unfortunate, not only because of the place the Blue Jays are in this playoff race, but because you have come to expect you, me, fans, everyone have come to expect a lot more from Steven Matz. He has become quietly one of the more consistent starters in this rotation. So to see him only able to go three innings, he allowed seven hits. Two earned runs, two walks, six strikeouts. He threw 38 pitches in the third inning and then didn't return after they uh, got out of that one. He did end up escaping. I said this off the top of the show, but he did escape a bases loaded jam of his own creation in that inning. But again, Steven Matz, it was just a kind of surprising outing for him after something, you know, after starts that had been almost eye raising and how steady they had been over the last. Yeah, like let's say five to six weeks, I would say.
1: Well, we talked pregame about how this was a pretty big opportunity for Steven Matz to really solidify himself as somebody that you would start against the Yankees. And I, I still think that you could feel okay about it, but you're definitely more concerned that he struggled the way that he did tonight against an inferior lineup uh, in Minnesota. They're still they're not by that much. It's not when I mean, you look at some of the numbers, they're not a significantly worse offensive lineup. Uh, than the New York Yankees are. But in a big spot coming off of his r- roughest start in a while, like how great do you feel about Steven Matz pitching probably the first game of that Yankee series? So I think you have a question to answer right now, which is in you know, what direction do you go? Does the remainder of this series it kind of inform or influence your decision a little bit uh, in terms of how you do and where you are in the standings? I don't know if it should, but I think you're probably looking at Ryu coming back or Matt's making that start. And I still think it's probably Matt's considering the fact that, yeah, he wasn't good tonight whatsoever, but he still has been more consistent and won't be coming off of an injury uh, and trying to pitch out of a a scuffle and a slump like Ryu is. So I still think if you had to choose between the two, it's Matt's, but it's less clear cut than it would have been had he had a quality outing tonight. So let's just say for the
0: sake of argument, we'll get to the text here in a second, but let's just say for the sake of argument, Josh, that Ryu only spends the minimum amount of time on the, uh, on the IL hit the neck injury. Certainly uh, the, the, the front office and, and Charlie Montoyo was saying a couple of days ago when he did go on the IL that the forearm tightness or what have you that he was talking about after the Baltimore start, that wasn't an issue. It's just the neck thing and that it wouldn't hopefully be any longer than the minimum time. So let's say it is the minimum time and he is available for the Yankees series. Do you, do you pitch him in that series considering what's on on the line what's at stake against specifically the New York Yankees
1: I don't think that I do no yeah I think oh,
0: that's isn't that a crazy thing to say that's that is a wild thing to say about Yanjin Ryu at this point in his career and I I think that's that's where I fall too it's really unfortunate because I think even even if it is well, I, I want I don't want to say it's it's I don't think it can be stripling because again striplings is coming off the oblique has looked pretty uh pretty Pretty not good as well, right? It's just, it's just that all of a sudden the Blue Jays starting rotation has gone from being pretty solid. I would say pretty solid to very solid all the way down to a little shaky. If only because Barrios Ray and Manoa are lined up against the rest of the twins and the three game series against the Yankees are more likely than not. The guys we're talking about when it comes to a stripling Ryu combination or someone else not going to be hatched probably after another hamstring injury. And then of course, Steven Matz as well, which is absolutely wild.
1: I think that the Yankees, as it stands right now, I know that there might be some inclement weather in Boston, so that might change the rotation. But I think it's scheduled to be Kluber, Cole, and Cortez uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday next week uh, against the Blue Jays. And, like, I, I don't know how intimidated you should be by that. You know, the Jays have had success against Garrett Cole. Corey Kluber's been up and down since he's come back from the injured list. Nestor Cortez is... Good, like he's good. Somehow, some way, he's been excellent. Yeah. Even though he's a real funky type of pitcher, but I still think it's it's Mats if you have to choose one. There's just a lot of downside with Ryu. There might be more upside with Ryu starting than with Mats, but I think that the floor is much much lower. And like if steven Mats, I think he has a better chance to give you five innings of two run ball. Right now, especially considering coming off of an injury and the struggles than Ryu does. I, I just think that that's where I'm at with it. Yeah,
0: I, I uh, gosh, I, I think I agree with that, which, again, is a real bummer to say. But if you want to share your feelings on that or anything else on the text line, 59590, you can do so right now. We'll get to the the text that we got a little earlier. Um, I see a couple of texts about George Springer, and again, we didn't have the George Springer conversation in the first part of this show, Josh. But I'll just read these couple of ones to you here. Uh, Ray from Aurora, moving Springer out of the leadoff spot would take the pressure off him. I have watched him a lot. Doesn't look close to being the great leadoff hitter he was. He is pressing like crazy. If it figures it out, then back up to leadoff again. And then Dwayne from Toronto, uh, Dwayne texting in to say, when healthy, George Springer. Has been one of the league's best leadoff hitters since September 13th. Springer has. And I'm I'm trusting that you're right on these stats. Dwayne, I'm just going to read these uh, that you texted in. But uh, since the 13th, he has a 100 batting average, four four hits, five walks, 11 strikeouts, and 48 bats. Pathetic and unacceptable. Shake up the lineup. Maybe put Alejandro Kirk at the DH spot. So uh, a lot of sentiment saying that I think uh, George, that George Springer should be uh, bumped out of the leadoff spot. You know, I I'll say this at the very least, I think if the blue Jays do explore putting him back in center field, it's you can't, I don't know if you can really quantify this, but I do think there is something to be said for having a player who, especially like George Springer, who is used to being running around the outfield and doing all the crazy things that we have seen him do. Even just this one season in his first season as a Toronto blue Jay, I think there is something to be said for him getting back in a regular routine instead of going up and hacking away at a pitch and then having to go sit back down on, a, on the bench while everyone else goes out on the outfield and stays, like, for lack of a better term, hot and active and what have you, as, just as moving around with blood flowing, right? I think, again, I know that there is no way to necessarily quantify that, but I, I can't help but wonder if that might not, you know, for I guess lack of a better term, get the juices flowing for George Springer.
1: I do think that certain hitters have a learning curve or an adjustment, or and sometimes they struggle with it being an everyday position player and then for whatever reason, you know, to nurse an injury or or what have you to be a designated hitter. Like your, your mentality just has to be so much different. You have to find a way to stay, you know, engaged and and loose and ready for your at-bats. And sometimes you can have a, a pretty long period of time and maybe put more pressure on yourself because you can't make any other impact than offensively. And I don't know if that's the case with George Springer, but this is really the first prolonged period in his career where he's been forced to to be a DH. Usually he's, if he's healthy, he's in the lineup playing center field. And I think that sort of, you know, kind of ties it together. He's not playing center field because he's not healthy. I know that the brace is off and he's got the high socks back and there's talk about it. Arash did say in his report pregame that he's still feeling some soreness, you know, stopping and starting. So he's not a hundred percent. Again, yeah, I think if this team were even three, four games further back and it was a real long shot that they were going to make the playoffs, I don't think George Springer would be playing right now. I just think that you know he wants to be in it with his guys as they're trying to make the playoffs here. And, and I, I think they've determined that it's not going to get worse. It's a pain tolerance thing. And he's just struggling right now to, to really put together good swings. Sometimes it looks like he's hobbled. Other times it looks like the swings are okay. And he's just, his timing's not there. I think it's just all kind of one concoction right now where it's really bad. Like just nothing is going good right now. And I really don't think that there are easy answers. Like there's not some quick fix snap of the fingers other than if he's in the lineup, he's got so much talent that he's bound to figure it out. I think that's kind of what you have to look at that, He's got so much talent that you just got to ride it, ride or die with him and live with the results.
0: You're listening to Jay's talk presented by our Ontario Honda dealers show. And Josh here with you for another 10 minutes or so. And uh, I see a text here from Randy Natobico. Does this force the blue Jays hands to maybe have Springer in center field tomorrow? We'll definitely see Randy. We're definitely going to have to see. And uh, DB in London, not a good time for a losing streak. Stop it at two games. Boys got to have the next one. And of course, Jose Barrios will be on the mound for Friday's game, which goes at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. But again, you're listening to Jays Talk, presented by our Ontario Honda dealers. After the break, we'll wrap up on the text line 590-590, and we'll hear some post-game audio as well. John Schneider just finished speaking to the media. Jays Talk continues after this on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: He's making it rain, sunflower, showers in the dugout. Teoscar hey, Hernandez and the Toronto Blue Jays play here on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
0: Welcome back to J-Stock, brought to you by your Ontario Honda dealers. Joe and Josh with you for a couple more minutes. Blue Jays losing a second straight, this time a 7-2 loss to the Twins in Game 1 in Minnesota, Ho- Jose Barrios... Robbie Ray and Alec Manoa lined up for games two, three, and four, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Charlie Montoya was suspended for this one. He was not in the dugout as a result of the Ryan Barucki suspension at the end of the Rays series after uh, Barucki plunked Kevin Kiermeyer. So, of course, John Schneider was the manager for this one, and he just finished speaking to the media. Let's hear a little bit of what he had to say.
2: I had a chance to look at Lourdes's hand since then, and how is that looking uh, right now? Uh, yeah, I haven't seen it since I uh, saw him out in the outfield, but um, everything we've heard is... I think the best news we can get, um, obviously a couple stitches, but we'll see how he is tomorrow. And uh, hopefully it's not too long. And you've seen this uh, month run he's put on here in September, how he's playing, what has stood out to you the most and what's really let him take his game to the next level here? I think it comes down to just play discipline. You know, he's uh, very talented, obviously. And when he's swinging at the right pitches, he's really dangerous. Uh, We've seen him be streaky before uh, earlier in his career, and he's kind of in one of those spots right now. Uh, where he feels great uh, in the box. And I think swinging at the right pitches is, is, uh, you know, key for anyone, but really key for him.
0: Hey, John, thanks for doing this. Um, Just kind of following up on Guriel as well. You said kind of best case scenario. Were you guys originally concerned that it might be something more severe? Like, was there kind of a sigh of relief when you guys got news that the x-rays were negative in particular?
2: Yeah, I think so. I think when you're dealing with any kind of, uh, you know, cut or laceration, whatever it is, and, uh, nothing really structural wrong, you know, structurally wrong with him. I think that's best case scenario. So, you know, hopefully he heals up quick and um, he's a big part of what we're doing. So hopefully he's uh, back in there as soon as he as soon as he can be.
0: For sure. Um, with Matt, it seemed to be a bit of a grind for him early on. I think 80 pitches in the three innings. Uh, how would you evaluate how that one went for him today?
2: It was a weird night for him, man. He's been so good lately, and I think he was getting ahead of hitters for the most part, and just you know having trouble. Putting him away, you know, a lot of those two strike breaking balls were, you know, kind of of the Oo variety. And you know, if you ask him the same thing, I'm sure he would, you know, say he wish he executed them a little bit differently. But it was tough, you know, and it was just was one of those nights for him, I think. And credit to him to get out of that out of that third, uh, keep it in a one run game. Um, so it's, that's what good pitchers do—they battle when they don't have it. And uh, obviously, we would have liked more from him, uh, especially with the way he's been going. But it was just one of those nights for him. Thanks. Uh, thanks, Sean. Um, just one quick clarifying thing on Gurriel. Is it fair to say that he's just day to day for now? Yeah, I think so. I think that's the best way to put it. We'll see how he shows up tomorrow and how everything looks. And, um, you know, like we said, the initial report, MRI and stuff and x-rays, not MRI, excuse me, x-rays were, were negative. So that's a good thing. Um, so yes, yeah, he is tomorrow and hopefully it's not a really long absence for him.
0: That's John Schneider speaking to the media. Spoke a little bit about Steven Matz there, Josh, but mostly we got the piece of the availability where he's talking about Lourdes Gurriel Jr. And as we said uh, earlier on Jay's talk, uh, Gurriel two, I believe two stitches on his middle finger and negative on the x-rays. So uh, John Schneider saying you heard it there. Everything we heard is the best news we could get so uh good news for Lourdes guriel jr and again probably don't see him tomorrow at this point so we'll have to see what the uh, lineup card looks like maybe george springer does play center field and alleviate some issues out there in the outfield but uh probably i don't i was gonna say definitely probably not gonna see Lourdes guriel jr for tomorrow maybe even the day after
1: yeah well i guess like you first see that and you hope it's not anything broken or, or anything of that sort honestly just I still can't believe the way that that happened like he tries to get out of the way and you know Randall makes the throw and it's just like of all the ways that that could happen it to derail the momentum that Guriel's having this month with 30 RBIs tying the franchise record set by Kelly Gruber it's just kind of a microcosm of what happened tonight and now it's just about not letting that fester and You know, Jose Barrios pitched beautifully the last time out on Sunday against this same Twins lineup. I should have no reason to to feel like he won't be able to back that up because uh, since he made those mechanical adjustments, he's been excellent. And this, again, is why you made the deal for him, to give you quality starts and pitch you to wins when you need the most. And the Blue Jays really need him to be good tomorrow.
0: Yeah, Jose Barrios very likely to get a very warm ovation from the target field crowd tomorrow, I would imagine. Of course, his uh, former team that sent him away to the Blue Jays at the trade deadline. But Jose Barrios on the mound. Bailey Ober schedule, Josh. On the other hand, what are you expecting the Blue Jays to be able to do after not being able to hit very many meatballs tonight? You would expect to see, uh, I would imagine, you would expect to see more of that from Bailey Ober uh, on the other side of things for the, uh, for the Twins at target field tomorrow.
1: Yeah, well, they got to Bailey Ober for four and four innings the last time they saw him. I, I never know how much to put into a, like the same pitching matchup uh, the next time through when you have this kind of scheduling quirk where you see this see the same team. You know, who does that benefit? Jays just got to have better at bats. They got to get back to what they were doing for the first half of September because uh, the bats are going to need to get going in a big way uh, if they want to reach their goal of making the postseason. Always good
0: stuff from Josh Goldberg. He and I will be back tomorrow evening for more Jays Talk. Three more games against the Twins, Barrios, Ray, and Manoa lined up there. We're here all weekend for this Jays Twins series as well. But you have been listening to Blue Jays Baseball, powered by Jack Links. Send hunger down to the minors and feed your wild side. Jays lose it seven to two. Barrios coming to the mound. Bailey Ober going for Minnesota. For Tom, Ben, Josh Santos, Josh Goldberg. I'm Show. Thanks for once again listening to another edition of Jays Talk. We'll talk to you tomorrow night.